Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start. As we as we do now, when we uh, record new episodes of the It's Pretty O Quarantine podcast, uh, we we start by just asking, uh, "How you doing? You holding up? Uh, hopefully, you all are, um, and uh, hopefully, you're not stressed out too much over anything." Um, I will say this: I took notes this week. And that oh. almost never happens. I think that's maybe the seventh time this has happened in the history of this Max podcast. Max notes. Max has notes too. So clearly, <laughs> clearly, we're going to talk about something uh, that uh, that is inspiring lots of thoughts and feelings, uh, which happens to be uh, an article that I sent the gang from uh, Wired. And I was reading a whole bunch of stuff on the internet because I'm in kind of like a final crunch for school where I have lots of assignments that are due over the next week and a half. And frankly, I'm in a pretty shitty position because they all require reporting. Um, and I've been trying to get sources to call me back and scheduled time to do interviews and nobody wants to do it and so i'm i'm very i'm seriously staring down the possibility that like i legitimately won't be able to complete two out of three of these things and that's a pretty frustrating feeling and i found this article that had a lot of uh a lot of kind of red meat for a person who's feeling stressed out and overwhelmed right now and it's called productivity is not working um so the the article is written by someone named lori penny and the sort of top line is basically uh uh, hustle culture is a, a sham and i don't understand why we all fell for it but it's horrible these are all the different ways that it's horrible and maybe just maybe the pandemic is giving us an opportunity uh it's wedging a door open just a tiny little bit that if the uh uh the mysterious we and that's something we'll we'll talk a lot about i imagine uh kick that door open we could actually um make some tangible changes in our relationship (laughs) with the idea of productivity and and the need to get shit done so i sent this around kevin enjoyed it i think first and then max said hmm i don't think i liked this very much so so i i was just gonna say that that the i knew that we should probably talk about this for for two reasons mostly um one is that kevin immediately 
registered an opinion that that it was good so he read it like before any of us so it's like oh okay so this is it accord and then two that max stated his opinion forcefully very early on i felt like between those two it it should absolutely be be discussed um I, I I do um I do want to start with with you Max though because uh you said uh, basically I disagree um you know Sean felt some camaraderie with it and I think some of it might have been rage agreement I don't know what you would you call that but um you know Max this this jumped out to you which is interesting because I think that a lot of this this hustle culture stuff and people having side gigs and always always working is something that you're enmeshed in in a lot of ways not you necessarily personally though i know you do side projects but you see people who uh live this all the time so sure yeah i don't know that my takeaway is that i i'm I'm hating the messenger more than the message i'll be honest Mm. um i don't like the way the article is written i find it very obnoxious and i and i and i don't really understand the it's it's very like self grandiose it's like oh we're in this pandemic and we're all hustling so hard let's they, they use the term overturning the social order and it's just like well like i it just i i did not enjoy reading the piece and now i've read it <laughs> twice and i really i don't like it i'll say that but i mean i don't i don't disagree with the message but it's it's just like what we've said before where it's, it's okay to do nothing like yeah. even self-care is sometimes too much. It's okay to do nothing. I, that's is that really all they're saying, or is there some is there a bigger argument here to quote overturn the social order? So Kevin, I think you're a little more uh, neutral and, and maybe a little more understanding of of maybe this this feeling landscape because we've got two not necessarily two poles but very two mm-hmm. different reactions. I mean, what spoke to you about it? I, I what spoke to me was. I think that I I agree that it is written in a way that's a bit you know too grandiose. Um, but what I identified with was this whole um, realization of like something you already know where it doesn't like, you can always you can always be more productive. You can and you can I I kind of find it the art um, the author kind of laughing at themselves uh, or if nothing else that's what it makes me do to myself. Uh, because I, I, when this with this pandemic, especially if you have a job where you can work from home, like one thing I've always lamented is I've, and ever since I started working, I've had a, you know, a forty minute commute each way, and I was like, oh, if only I had this, uh, these extra forty minutes back, you know, what would I do? Or um, I could even think of when this stuff started happening and stuff closed down, I could kind of be like, well, it sucks that things don't things are closed down but at least now i can like you know bunker down and and do these other things and i've kind of realized that oh i actually i just like slept nine hours last night and (laughs) i'm doing i'm doing like and i have these zoom calls with friends like my day is basically the same and i just kind of am laughing at myself now yeah i i think there's i think there's a an important point in what you said about i wish i could have my 40 minute both ways commute back what could i do with that time and i think I, I think that one of the things that we're seeing in a lot of ways is that it turns out that very similar to how John Maynard Keynes one you know way back when predicted that technological advances would lead to a three day fifteen hour work week because we could all For his grandchildren get everything done 
quickly and then fuck off to enjoy our lives and have meaningful connections with people. Instead, we just said, oh, we can keep working the same amount of time or even more and just make way more shit. And so it, what's what's happening is I think this is a response to that uh, one potential thing to do if you got your hour and a half back would be to knock out all your work and be done an hour and a half earlier. But for a lot of people, what's really happening is that they're actually spending more time connected to work or to school or, or to whatever whatever the main part of your life where you are supposed to generate productivity in some form. And so I, so, I think I think that's where this is, is coming from is feeling like this is not this is not actually a time to be focused on how can I make things really efficient? And, and like, uh, you know, you can you can feel however you want to about that. But like, you know, there, uh, I think it's impossible to hide that as this was all kind of starting, like back in early to mid March, there was no shortage of uh, online content of people sort of performatively talking about all of the things that they were going to do with their quarantine time. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow noted uh, hustle scammer uh, suggested that people shouldn't just use this time to read books. They should use time to write books. Um, And that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, But even just like on a, uh, you know, on a closer to home level, you know, I love my dad to death, and and I, I hope this doesn't hurt his his feelings because he listens to the podcast sometimes. But he forwarded us an email um, that was like a, you know, a kind of uh, positivity newsletter from a marketing and communications agency about like what they were going to be doing during this time and principles that would be good for everyone to follow under quarantine. And one of them was like downtime is lead time you can be using this time to work on your long-term future goals i'm like you know i think a lot of people are just trying to get through the day i think that's fine yeah Uh, i think that one thing and listening to you all talk a little bit has made it more clear for me is maybe the the problem of the this author and i think a lot of other people i recognize that this is an issue is that there's this scoreboard that exists. It's not about the efficiency you talked about, Sean. I don't think is about like doing the tasks in front of them necessarily better and more quickly. I mean, it is, but it's in the service of, uh, you know, she, the author talks about the individual metric of productivity. People always saying, okay, what they've done today in terms of work, you know, work, work, work. It's, okay, this is how much I've done, and I'm going to have that next great idea that turns into money. And so I have kind of a couple of problems there, which is one, why is, and the author does get to this later on, which is why is productivity only measured in things that you do that has an income associated with that? That's a really negative thing that bothered me a lot. 
that. Um, I mean, I get it, but I, I think that's that's problematic. But and then it becomes very individualistic. And I know we'll get into the use of we here, which I understand. But this becomes almost a game. And and I think that thinking of the game analogy further, I don't think uh, Keynes imagined that you know <laughs> this this uh, experiment with capitalism would really run this deep into the fourth quarter without someone pulling away and just kind of running the clock out. Uh, the fact that we're trying to, I mean, think about it. This this author is in in a in a business that currently none of us are, are really in, um, which is you know these creative businesses, online content creation for incomes, and they've actually lost you know maybe some jobs, some of the deadlines which they mention. And so pathways that they normally could be like, okay, I'm doing six things today and I'm going to do those and those give me more exposure and rolling forward and forward and forward, that's hurting their scoreboard. That's hurting their clock. And, uh, you know, I disagree with this survivor's guilt that they talk about if you are still employed and you have some security. Um, because yeah. part of this is just, well, I don't measure by the same metrics as you. And that's fine. You can be upset that, you know, uh, other people have it easier, and that's reasonable. But I don't think that this individualism that they're talking about is going to lead to the the consciousness of we that is actually going to help it because they are still so bought in to the the productivity metric. Yeah, and and I on that productivity metric, you you said that the author got to a point where they were saying like all the like cooking and cleaning are not considered productive. By whose definition? I, I don't. I don't see any definition other than this author. That does. That seems oh. kind of ridiculous to me. There she's saying, "Oh, it's women's work, so it's not productive." Well, I, I this, I've never I, heard no, this no, argument no, no. before. My, Where's that coming from? Uh, people say that self-optimization should include working out, but this article is essentially saying that that doesn't count because it's not monetized. Well, totally working out, that. working out can be monetized. I don't know if you're familiar with the Instagram influence model, but that, <laughs> that is a thing that can be monetized. These things that you, anything that you can show other people. I mean, that's what online content creation is. So is, can be monetized into productivity metric type so, of stuff. So, yeah, so I think this is also something – I think this is important to remember where this article exists. It's Wired. It's a tech magazine. And and so I think I think there's an inherent perspective that's tied to the, the Silicon Valley culture of almost exclusively male CEOs who love to uh, brag about, like, how early they get up and how they spend 20 hours a day working or something we talked about before we started max like how they don't bother you know cooking and eating real food or picking out what they wear because those things aren't valuable those things take like and and the the rationale they give is like if i have to make that decision my brain is not running at full optimum capability. If I have to decide, like, house shit, basically, then I can't be at my full world-dominating best. So, like, I, I do I do think that it's important to remember that this is coming out of that particular perspective and that sort of bubble. Yeah, and so... And with that in mind, uh, you know, to kind of go back to, to Kevin, you, I, I think, first of all, 
you have been in that realm before and, you know, very, at least to me, very famously did not like it and, and of all places came back to the East Coast. But you also mentioned something there that I, I think reminds me of the article, which is, you know, you lose that 80 minutes of commuting right now, um, but you're sleeping nine hours. And it makes me think what this person is talking about, this this weight, this yoke of productivity. Um, it, but they want, they say they want it. And I think about, you know, there's a difference between uh, what we want and what we think we should want. I, I mean, did that strike you at all in reading this? Yeah, I think part of when I finished the article and thought about more, what I was realizing was I don't necessarily know what the... Again, I don't really know what the author's thesis was. It just, I kind of used it as a, a way of um, of reflecting a bit. And for me, with the comment about the, oh, cooking and cleaning and stuff, what I've kind of related to as is like, oh, maybe I spend 10% longer making my breakfast and sitting down and eating it and 10% longer cleaning. And instead of just being rushed through it all, I kind of just take my time through it and then I get through it I'm like oh okay well like where did that you know where did that extra hour and a half I was supposed to get go it was like oh I kind of just slowed down a bit and again that's why I kind of think that this article just made me kind of laugh at myself and be like oh yeah it's not like it's not the it's not the commuter river it's just like this you can only do so much in a day yeah where where I will agree with Max on on that point about the the sort of non-monetized labor is that like it's unreasonable it's an it's unreasonable to call those things not productive it's it's frankly it's ludicrous and it should be seen through by everyone and yet somehow for some reason you know a, a lot of a lot of the the people with loud voices with big platforms to speak from in society are like make a point of publicly espousing you know a, a very unreasonable irrational point of view about like what labor is productive and worthwhile and so I, I think I think and without knowing you know I don't know Lori Penny's heart so I, I can't I, I can't really speak to her motives a hundred percent but I would guess there's at least a, an element of this that's laughing at that and, and pointing out how unreasonable that point of view is. And, and, and for sure. what it's worth, yeah. I, I, I do. I also agree that some of the, the pieces of this are uh, written in a fairly over the top fashion. Like there's a whole paragraph that, um, you know, equates hustle culture to being in an abusive relationship. And, I, I get, I get what you're trying to say, but no, no, that's not that's not a good. I don't think that's a good parallel to be using. Um, one thing that I would, I, I don't, I don't really want to register an opinion there, but I, I, I think that's it. correct. Um, one, one thing that I, I did notice, uh, and and I think it's important to figure out like where the lines are in this. Um, is that the author talked about uh, writing ambitious to-do lists is how she calms down. And I I see that as a little bit 
different and that's sort of like walking the line because the the ambition part of it rubs me a little bit the wrong way because like at least at this point we all have so much mundane stuff to get done in our lives that I feel like I I don't know maybe it's just me but I feel like I don't have time for a lot of uh ambition and like really big picture future thinking but I do really uh, you know especially having had a lot of time in the last two months that's just sort of become flexible unscheduled time I see a tremendous amount of value in having some some semblance of like order and structure in your life now I just I don't know if I want like uh, I don't know if I want Elon Musk's philosophy of the world to be guiding how, like, what kind of order and structure that I'm seeking. Does that make sense? I, so the thing about using an example like that, and I think is maybe one of the problems with this overall. Maybe is, Mark is Zuckerberg. Me, maybe someone who's not a so, total no, but the, the I, I my my point would be the same, which is that we are talking about these individuals who created the next big idea, or in Elon Musk's case, uh, a number of ideas, or even Mark Zuckerberg created a number of ideas and packed it all into one, or bought other ideas and packed it all into one. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are people that are we are looking at these just like we did with our MBA draft long ago. We we are obsessed with these individual people who are um, who are. <laughs> who are who are really um, taking over as opposed to uh, you know I wrote this note uh, at the bottom when when the, the end of the article the the author does get to this idea which is like yes this unpaid work is still valuable it's uh, the instead of productivity that you know instead of you know it's work that's still worthwhile it's like yes building a community that functions in a symbiotic is important and being able to say we and actually mean a, a union of people is is really important but you rarely see people saying that oh you know this institution is really great because it brings all these people together and their and their productivity their their um measurable thing their metric is that all these people are are happy or they are not stressed or they're able to you know not talk about work when they give updates to other people um, and I think that that is ultimately the the problem I have with this is they actually talk about the author does about internalizing you know these things is it my fault that I don't have a job am I lazy is it you know what is it and it, it's so internalized that this this is all individualized and there's mm-hmm. no stopping and saying okay I appreciate this institution for making it more about a we about an us and so that's ultimately my problem is they they part of their thesis might be that oh this change of habit this big shock to the system is going to cause everyone to think more of us and i just don't see that because so much individual has been internalized yeah i I think so i think where this maybe falls down is there's a step or seven missing because i i think the implicit argument is when there's a giant shock like a pandemic or a financial crisis oh, some sort of institution has fallen down on its responsibility uh, this is this is my analysis this is like i'm i'm going off book and trying to connect the dots here 
so some sort of institution has fallen down on its responsibility and that give that does give an opportunity for individuals to come together and stop kind of stop the tide of internalizing all that stuff and focus on community and and there are some ways that that's happening now i mean you know the the number of people that are, are you know have spent time like making masks that they can donate to hospitals or even just to like you know people who are essential workers that aren't working in hospitals like those are the kinds of things that do build up community and, and theoretically this is the kind of event that could open the door if all those individuals if we all banded together and said okay we're going to hit reset a little bit and we're going to reshape the world in a more community focused fashion now i don't th- this article doesn't get there it doesn't get to that's what we need to do and this is how we need to do it or even the sort of very first step of like how do you break out of that internalization pattern so so that i think i i agree that's all that's all missing which admittedly uh saying that there's no there's no how there is a criticism that could be laid on marx as well but you know that's a different that's our history podcast we'll get to that later um no but that's that's no, we that's won't. true and, and yeah I, I, it's 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 true i, I think that the the how is not there we're all potatoes in a sack but we don't know that we're all potatoes we don't know that they're one group of potatoes that really have the same needs but i mean i have to say one thing i think about is you know something like universal basic income is is interesting here i think about it in Mm -hmm. this in this community-based world it's it's all enough so that the things that we don't have to so that we don't have to worry about basic things that's maybe the idealized way the community-driven way to worry about so you can pursue you just want to go and plant flowers. You want to go work on the community garden or something like that. But the way I read this article is like, even if we get to that point where there are some baked in things for everyone, it's going to be, okay, how can I invest this in myself so that I come up mm. with a new idea faster? And so even if you put in some of those safeguards, I, I I think when reading this article, you will still have internalized that I need to be productive. That's how I am measured as a human. So they really haven't bought into the wheat. Um, and that's where I'm bothered. Yeah, uh, that uh, that checks out. I think, I think I, I know that I found like a lot of like little pieces of, you know, I think a, a lot of pieces of like candy for myself in this. In, hey, hustle culture is a scam, and just like it's a thing that I think a lot of people don't remind themselves of enough even if it's sort of self-evident. And so like that is the main, I'm with Kevin. That's the main value that I took out of this is just a reminder to think about, you know, just to think more about what you do and why you do it. Yeah. I think that I, that's, I think I, that's why I bought a bit more into the, that idea of the survivor's guilt more than you guys did is that my first gut reaction was, you know, how does this affect me rather than, oh, how can I use this to to think about the bigger picture, which the author didn't really, really capture. But I guess that 
I didn't think that the author was the author thought that the point was that that's not what they're trying to capture. Max, you're gonna drink Soylent now? No. Okay, because that would be more efficient, and then you could do your hustle work better. You more I'm time. not arguing for the hustle. I, I, I don't disagree with the bottom line. I just felt like the article was all over the place, and I, I, I got more out of our discussion than from reading it twice. I'll, I'll say that. Um, yeah, I think it's it, not. Yeah, it's yeah, not but... for us. That's part of it. Is it's not for us. We are all three of us. It, well, three of us are employed, and one of us is is in school. And we honestly are, you know, I feel very fortunate in that, but we have this structured life and we're not freelance workers or people working multiple things where this, I get it. I get that it becomes internalized because that's the industry. That's the business that you've chosen. And so I have to be sympathetic. Um, But I, you know, I ask questions of things just as I think any rational person should. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all that Max and I had very different reactions to this article. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, any final thoughts we want to, uh, get out there before we move on? Keep reading stuff online because these people are really struggling right now. And, uh, you know, even if you disagree with their content, I think it's important to engage with it. (laughs) Yeah, my I I know for sure that my my spending on uh, supporting other people's creative work has, frankly, has skyrocketed in this time. I've started getting into the whole Patreon ecosystem, where you're like directly <laughs> supporting creators, like not you know not on a large scale, but you know there are uh, there are a couple outlets that I think are doing you know really cool stuff or stuff that i really enjoy and you know felt like it was you know it was worth supporting so you know maybe that's right for you maybe it's not maybe you should just throw people some clicks um so let's move on to pierce is sorry and what are you apologizing for today so uh, today's apology, I realized, was the apology for today when I sat down at this this uh, table. I was not originally going to record from here. And so I have three lights on. I don't have a lot of lights in my apartment because I apparently like things dark, even though I don't even get that much sunlight. Um, so I have the kind of whatever you call those, like the, the tube-type bulbs in my kitchen. Are those fluorescent bulbs? They are. Yes, probably. Okay. I have a bulb behind me, which is kind of a, probably from Ikea. It's kind of a yellowy, older, coil-shaped, you know, sort of eco-friendly bulb. And then I have one in front of me, which I bought recently, which is an LED bulb. And I'm apologizing this week for my LED bulb selection. Because I thought that the right selection was going to be the daylight type of LED bulb, I was like, it's probably cheaper. There's probably not a big difference. Let me tell you, I have learned that there is a big difference between um, daylight and like soft glow or anything soft related lights because daylight light bulbs are like the color of this microphone, which is just bright white. And uh, now I understand why people don't like that. Did I get four LED bulbs for like $7? I did. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, Am I going to use any more of those bulbs? Probably not. <laughs> oh, 
I gotta say, it's probably more useful in uh, Vermont where it's still under 40 degrees rather than (laughs) in Virginia. Yeah. It's a solid setup. You've got got backlighting for the room, but you do still have a, a light facing in front of you so you don't appear in shadow. So, like, you know, since we're obviously recording video of this, you've done it right. Yeah. Yeah, just don't get sunburned. <laughs> yeah, that that really is that really is a concern. Um, you know, it's it's one of those days where it's gloomy outside, but you can probably still get sunburned. So, yeah, I messed up. I'm sorry for getting. I'll know better when I buy light bulbs. Don't make the same mistake. But if you do like those light bulbs, I have at least two more that you can uh, procure from me. But, hey, you're helping all, the you're helping the economy. Kitchens. Yeah, I'm just trying to a side hustle is selling light bulbs. There you go. <laughs> Uh, okay, well let's uh, let's move on and close the show as we do with a big idea from pop culture. Uh, and honestly, I have a bunch of different ideas, but they're all uh, they're all sort of like not fully cooked enough. I finally watched the first episode of The Last Dance today, uh, and it's brilliant. And I'm so excited to watch the rest of it. Uh, yes. I'm I'm maybe twenty or so pages into. Jane Mayer's book Dark Money, which is about the uh, massive network of kind of undisclosed far-right political spending and the, the network run by the Koch brothers, uh, that it is going to be very interesting to read. She's a brilliant writer. Um, mm-hmm. And I mentioned Elon Musk earlier. Uh, I'd, I'd love to talk about him and Grimes's baby, but I think it's going to be at least a week, maybe two, before I can figure out how to pronounce the kid's damn name. Yeah, we don't have uh, the technology to even <laughs> type that name. <laughs> no, I, oh, they probably do. It's like a hotkey somewhere. It's like a special special character to get that. Maybe, know. but I can guarantee you, there's government databases that need to have that person's name in them that will not. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, something. Some somebody's shit is still typed out on a typewriter. Um, so instead, uh, our big idea from pop culture is going to come from Max. Oh, is it? It okay. is. So, uh, I'm sure that many of you, while you've been stuck at home, have watched uh, Netflix's Tiger King because it swept the world. It, it went viral very quickly and probably faded very quickly because things are happening at rapid speed when you're sitting at home watching Netflix 24-7. What you may not have heard is that they're making a scripted series uh, from um, starring Nicolas Cage. It's going to be Nicolas Cage's first ever television role. So it's very exciting for Nick and myself. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're a long ways away. I don't know if you have any more information. I think we're a long ways away from actually seeing it. Um, but yeah, a scripted scripted show with Nick Cage starring as Joe Exotic. So I don't know much about the the, the Tiger King thing. Um, it, who is there word on who's playing the? I know there's a female lead as well. Is there word on who's playing the female lead yet? Uh, uh, I don't think so. That's a good question. No, there. I mean, there were when the when the documentary when the docu series first hit Netflix. There were roughly four thousand, uh, sort of like Buzzfeedy type articles about who should play all of the people, if there were ever going to be some sort of, uh, you know, scripted dramatized adaptation. Um, 
but I don't think there has been much more information about this particular series yet other than Nick Cage and that a lot of people on the internet seem to be upset that it's not David Spade. So there, there is another scripted show on the story coming oh, out where right. Kate McKinnon is going to play Carol Baskin. I forgot about that. I knew Those that. are different shows. <laughs> so as, as you kind of said earlier, there's probably going to be too much content. Um, if you haven't watched Tiger King, it's it's one of those things where someone's like, oh, what's it about? And you tell them, and then you realize that, that like, that stuff doesn't even scratch the surface. It, it's there's really There is a lot of content there, I think. So maybe we won't get bored of scripted shows. But it also does feel a little lazy, like, oh, this thing's popular, let's go make 20 television shows about yeah. it. So I'm, I'm sort of undecided on on that. The, the show itself is, is so... There's so much that could be digged into deeper. Like, every yeah, single and- character, you really kind of want to know more, and then you kind of just don't at all. <laughs> as, as always, uh, it's worth noting that the difference between... Um, you know, fiction and nonfiction is that fiction needs to be believable. And the reason that this is so compelling for people is because it is real and it is unbelievable. So those two things make a mighty, <laughs> mighty tall show. Yeah. Um, and a, a, a quick update, because I read about this earlier today for some reason, is that Jason Torchinsky at Jalopniks, uh, he, uh, he theorized that actually uh, Grimes and Elon Musk's child um, would be Kai... Ash, so Kai is in the Greek letter. Ash is in the diphthong, A-E. And then A-12, which, Max, you might know, is a very famous plane, uh, which is uh, the known as the Archangel, um, or Oxcart, or Cygnus. So it's probably Kai, Ash, Archangel, Kai, Ash, Oxcart, or Kai, Ash, Cygnus is the name of the child. Cool. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, Just... if we want... Um, non-fiction that's unbelievable I believe Nick Cage is the perfect actor for that and maybe there will be a role for Kai Ash Cygnus somewhere in that show yeah that was our uh, that was our celebrity name correspondent Pierce yeah <laughs> the people needed the people needed to be updating on how you say the diphthong man we gotta stop letting celebrities name their babies I mean, Nick Nicholas Cage, who named his son after uh, Superman's Kryptonic birth name. Oh my God! So you know, yeah. That's all. That's a whole lot. <laughs> that's that's all I've got on that. Okay. Well, I think I think we're at the end of the show. Yeah, my brain is overloaded, so that's that's where we'll call it. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod, or at our home on the web www.prettyokaypod.com. You can subscribe to the show on your podcast app and device of choice. If you do that, please leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing. Or just tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share it with them as well. We'll be back again next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening.